Welcome to the Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Resilient Rainer podcast. I do apologize for my voice this week. I am sick and a little stuffy. So if you notice that I'm not speaking as clearly as I typically do, it's my sick voice. So sorry about that. I am excited to dive into today's episode where I am going to share a story of a writer I know who neglected the mental aspect of her writing and just everything that happened from that. And I think that you will be able to see yourself in at least a portion of her story. And just to really highlight how important it is to tend to the mental aspect of our writing and to tend to our mental training. And of course, we're going to close with giving you some actionable tips and strategies. Won't leave you hanging of ways that you can use to handle your anxiety and nervousness at competitions. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I don't know if this story has ever been you or if you have ever known someone like this, but I wanted to share the story to really illustrate in a very real way, because I think at some point we have either all been this person (laughs) or at the very least we haven't known this person. So my one of my nemesis (laughs) when I was a kid in 4-H was um, this girl, Sarah. And Sarah was a very good writer. She was awesome. And I was always a little bit jealous of Sarah because she had a fancier, nicer horse than I did. (laughs) And she had this beautiful paint and she was very skilled, really great. Her horse was awesome. And she would consistently win competitions in our region. And she was, you know, people recognized that she was a good writer. They recognized her talent. And and as part of that, she got used to being successful and she got used to winning. And you could tell that she started to believe that she would win and that it was just that her her writing abilities, her physical abilities alone would be enough to ensure her victory. And that is a really common thing, not just for youth competitors, but for adults as well. And through the story, you'll see just that basically she neglected to acknowledge and care for the mental aspect of competition. And that really led to some issues that would pop up in her riding and were very obvious physically. I can totally see how this happened as a youth writer because 
when you start as a youth rider, everybody is terrible, right? When you first get on a horse, you don't know what you're doing. You don't start with amazingness. Everybody starts out, you know, being a little bit of a mess. And so her learning curve was was pretty quick. And so she, when you start having success because you physically are outperforming people, it can feel like that's all you need to do. And so Sarah got overconfident in her abilities and she assumed she would just effortlessly outperform her competitors without putting in the mental preparation that is required as your competitive stakes increase. And we do such a disservice to both our youth writers and our adult amateurs and the non-pros by, by not supporting them through the mental preparation that is required when you show. And when you have overconfidence like Sarah had, you underestimate the challenges that you might face or the things that might pop up for you at a more significant event. Like if you have a year-end championship or the finals round at a show. And so for Sarah, she became kind of more increasingly complacent about her training and preparation. And particularly if you have a more made or finished horse, this can pop up as well, (laughs) no matter your age. And when you rely on your horse like that, it's easy to lack focus during your rides. And so then instead of channeling your energy into your performance. For example, with Sarah, her mind just kind of started wandering. You're just assuming your horse is on autopilot and you end up with some errors and miscues just from lack of focus there. And so as time went on here with Sarah and as the pressure increased, you know, it can be both the level you're showing at and also as your competitors are working hard and their skills are leveling up as well. It's common that, you know, she began to experience nerves and anxiety that just hadn't popped up before. And I think that can happen too, as you develop more self-awareness that you start, it just doesn't occur to you (laughs) to be nervous and then you can develop this nervousness and anxiety. And so she did the classic thing where it's just ignoring it and assuming that they'll go away. But as her anxiety grew, it started affecting her composure during rides and her ability to keep it together, which as you can imagine, led to subpar performances. And it can be very disorienting in a very scary way when you wonder why you aren't writing like you used to. I feel like I'm switching tenses. I am trying to tell the story about Sarah, but I'm I'm just talking about it. So basically as we're going along, Sarah really had a hard time managing the stress and she felt like it was really difficult to manage the expectations and the, you can call it scrutiny, the judgment, just 
feeling like people are watching her from spectators, from her peers, and all of these expectations and stress and the pressure, it was really difficult to handle. And she ended up making mistakes at shows that she didn't make during previous lower stakes competitions. And I think that one is one that we can probably all relate to where when the stress gets to you, you just, you make mistakes that you don't typically make. And so this starts to create a negative feedback cycle where, you know, for Sarah, her initial winning streak, she's having inconsistent performance. And so she's not winning as much. And that leads to feelings of, you know, you're not feeling motivated, you feel disheartened. And these mental feelings, it really got in her brain and prevented her from bouncing back from failure. And it really made it difficult for her to make the necessary adjustments mentally and physically to improve her writing. And just feeling so frustrated with her declining performance, just really, you know, she's upset. She's upset that she wasn't doing well. And she ended up having, you know, a a tantrum, (laughs) Uh, basically an emotional outburst. And that, that was another thing that impacted her relationship with her horse, her support team, her parents. And, you know, everybody kind of looked at her wondering what was wrong with her and her inability there in that moment to regulate her emotions. It kind of, it was part of that downward spiral and negatively impacting her ability to make a a comeback. And so then with each unsuccessful competition, Sarah's confidence just took a nosedive and she really struggled to regain the just the confidence and self-belief that she once had. And she really began to doubt her abilities as a writer. And so the other thing that comes up here is that it can be so difficult to imagine, and this is beyond horses, but it's really hard to imagine life being any different than it is right now in this exact moment. Think about this way. When it's summer and it is a hundred or more degrees out, it's really hard to believe that winter is, is really coming, that it will be zero degrees out and there will be snow on the ground and it will be so frozen that you literally cannot go outside without gloves on or you're going to get frostbite. It's so hard to imagine that those water tanks are, you know, those troughs are going to freeze over. And it's just in the middle of winter, you, it's almost like you physically can't conjure up that physical feeling and sensation in your body of what it feels like when it's 100 degrees and how it is so hot and oppressive, even in the shade, and your desperate need for water and a hat. And so, It's just, it's so hard. And that's a very human thing about how difficult it can be 
to imagine life being literally any different than it is in this exact moment. And so in your writing, when things are going well, it's hard to imagine you'll ever make a mistake. And when things are going sideways, (laughs) it can be practically impossible to imagine having a great ride. And that definitely popped up for Sarah, both on both ends, right? (laughs) When she's doing well and when she was doing poorly. And now that I have wandered my way through this story about Sarah, I want to revisit it and kind of point out the different ways that her mindset and the mental aspect, how that played in. Because there's so many different ways that kind of things are going wrong for her in her mind. And so I want to revisit those. And then I'll share, there's a lot of ways that she's mentally going wrong, but I think it's so common. And that's why this can be so important to practice mental training and just that there there might be 10 different ways your your brain is letting you down or that you're you know thinking about things incorrectly. And so, you know, we'll cover something that'll give you an action item at the end. Okay. So the first one is the first issue was for Sarah was overconfidence where she really just became overly confident and that that overconfidence led her to underestimate any challenges she might face, you know, particularly mentally. And therefore she didn't feel the need to do any sort of preparation. But it's not just Sarah, it's also her trainer, her parents, her coach. It's all of these people. The problem that a lot of people have is we don't necessarily see the need for this mental training. And so we're not providing the support scaffolding that everybody needs. Everybody needs in order to be successful. Kids, they just, they don't know. And they really rely on the adults around them to help develop these skills that they need. So back to Sarah. Her first issue was overconfidence. Her second issue, a lack of focus, you know, becoming complacent and just really leads to that lack of focus. And this can also, of course, stem from another issue, which is anxiety. But a lack of focus is really the mental issue. It is something you can train. And that is something that will impact your performance negatively if you are just riding around on autopilot. And that lack of focus, in addition to complacency, can also come from anxiety and nervousness. And that is absolutely another issue that Sarah, from my youth writer days, really had a lot of anxiety and nervousness. How do you handle these nerves? How do you handle your anxiety? It will grow and affect you. And you can't always just brush it off. And so the anxiety and nervousness absolutely became a little too much. (laughs) Another issue that came up for Sarah, or I should call it a, a mental misstep, was handling pressure. As the pressure mounts, being able to handle that is a skill. It's not always easy to walk into the arena and have people watch you ride. Even for me personally, if I'm just riding at the barn and there's other people there, it can be uncomfortable. I think Sarah can be all of us when it comes to pressure and struggling with how do we handle it when 
people are watching you and that's uncomfortable. And then you can throw in any sort of pressure of as kids, you, you know, if your parents ever make comments about how much money it costs and how much time it costs. And honestly, that doesn't really even go away (laughs) as an adult, because if you are single, you're still, you're, you're definitely probably thinking about the time and money. And if you have a partner, oh my goodness, if you're a decent human, you probably care about wanting it to be worthwhile. Because if it's going poorly, you might be thinking about how all this money and, oh my gosh, you could have gone to Fiji for this amount of money. And it's so easy to put pressure on ourselves, even if our partner and our trainer and people that we love are not putting that pressure on us. Anyway, so another issue that really comes up through Sarah's story is the lack of resilience. And that's encouraging because a lack of resilience is absolutely something that we can work on and improve. It is not a fixed thing. And, you know, in Sarah's case, as her winning streak kind of came to an end, it's a lack of resilience and a lack of this kind of growth mindset that prevented her from bouncing back from failure because it was a feeling of just this is the way it is. There's no point really even in trying why you're just stuck feeling demotivated. And so there's no point in making adjustments. Okay. So I'm reviewing the story in my mind. And so far we've covered overconfidence, lack of focus, anxiety and nervousness, handling pressure, and a lack of resilience. Okay, at this point, we come to the part of the story with emotional outbursts, definitely a mental problem. And we think only toddlers um, have tantrums, but they don't. Adult tantrums totally happen. And so adult meltdowns happen when someone can't cope with attention or painful emotions And so they're not necessarily physical. It's not kicking toys or jumping up and down and screaming. But the adult version of kicking down a sandcastle, you know, when you're frustrated by a poor run, you're pushing that hurt aside and you might say or think, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to do this anyway. And we don't think that that is a tantrum, but it, absolutely is a tantruming behavior. The other tantrum that might come up, particularly if you are highly motivated or a high achieving writer, you might, you know, there are people who have their own version of a tantrum every time you don't outperform at a horse show, every time you're not just the winner or as much as you want it to be. And so particularly if you are, you know, hardworking, talented, and you often do win or outperform, and so the the problematic people are poor losers, not everybody, but you know, people with mental feelings here, they're they can't tolerate other people getting rewarded for their success, other people winning. And so again, they might not throw things, but they might, you know, just sit at their trailer and cry, tell yourself, I'm a failure, and so get other people to try and console them. But if you're coming from a healthier place, you don't understand their desperation, right? Because it's not based on adult reality. 
And that's a problem if you never learned that you could not be first in everything, or if you never learned how to console yourself. It's almost a reparenting of your inner child where you need an empathetic parent, basically, even if you're an adult to respond to you saying, you know, yes, I understand why that hurt your feelings or I understand why you're disappointed. You're not crazy that hurts. And so you're, you're mirroring or you're witnessing, and that can be very calming. And then, um, as you calm down, then you can continue to process. You're able to develop a more centered sense of self. And so you can develop a relationship, even just with yourself, where you can feel hurt and disappointment and they play out and you work through them over time with a healthy inner dialogue. Okay. Anyway, uh, apparently I had some thoughts that I just really wanted to share on adult tantrums. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, I I think that's just been on my mind because we think that adults don't tantrum, but we just aren't really recognizing that adults absolutely have emotional outbursts and tantrums, even though it's not a small child flailing on the floor screaming. <laughs> but if you're having a tantrum, you haven't learned how to control your emotions or vocalize your needs. So there's still work to be done. <laughs> okay. Back to Sarah. So emotional outbursts, loss of confidence. So we started this story with the overconfidence. And there's absolutely an issue that comes up through this process where it's underconfidence because she has a loss of confidence where with each unsuccessful, you know, experience in competition, it just it does a number on your confidence. And so loss of confidence absolutely comes into play in this story. And then there's a lack of adaptability, where despite having different challenges, new challenges, different environments, you have to be adaptable. And if you fail to adapt your mental strategies, you will hinder your chances of success. And then one of my other favorites that I know I kind of talked about earlier because I couldn't restrain myself was the lack of imagination, where it's just so difficult for us as humans to imagine life being any different than it is in this moment right now. So I think that as much as I might have wandered through her story, Sarah's example just serves as such a touching reminder of the vital role that the mental aspect plays in the world of horse riding, both competitive and in our training. And this is an unfortunately common scenario, whether you're competing or not, where things are going well, because for us, it it was over the course of a show season, but it could also just be over the course of a year or over a winter when you are training at home where if you fail to acknowledge the mental aspects of your writing, it can ultimately lead to a downward spiral in your writing and training. And you may start to over rely on your physical talent and not nurture the mental fortitude that is necessary to make consistent quality progress in your writing, training, and showing. So I think that we can probably all recognize ourselves in at least some part of Sarah's story. You know, you might lack adaptability or some resilience. 
maybe you struggle to focus just on the task at hand, or maybe you're on the other end and maybe you're just really feeling overconfident. So definitely send me a message and tell me where you see yourself most in Sarah's story. I know that, uh, I know that I particularly resonate with the lack of imagination sometimes. I have to catch, I have to call myself out on that. Um, that it can be different. It's not going to be like this forever. You know, if I'm teaching my horse a new skill, that they will learn it. Just keep going. Um, or same for myself. I will get there. So tell me how you see yourself in in the story. Okay, so we've talked all about this stuff that's really awesome. I've shared the story from my childhood, (laughs) and we've talked about all the different mental issues that have come up. So now I want to leave you with at least something that, you know, maybe a couple things of action items that you can do so that you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I see myself in that. I get it. Um, What do I do? Well, what can you do? Let's pick something that we can talk about. Okay. I want to talk about anxiety and nervousness. That one is such a big one. Okay. So let's talk about anxiety and nervousness and how do we handle these feelings? Because I think Sarah's choice is really common where we just, and it's not that fake it till you make it is always bad. It's just that they don't always just go away if you pretend like they will. So let's talk about anxiety and nervousness and what can you do to handle that and maintain your composure during rides without resorting to just fake it till you make it, which doesn't always work. Okay. So there are several ways you can work to decrease your anxiety level rather than just allowing your anxiety to control you in a competition situation. So here's a few ideas. So one big one is defining your own success. What does it mean specifically, for example, in a show situation to have a good run? Because what I'm trying to get you to do here is don't focus on the outcome. So let's define success. Because if you focus on winning, it just increases the pressure, which is its whole other mental problem too, right? (laughs) Handling pressure. So focusing on winning increases the pressure that you're placing upon yourself. And it also shifts your focus out of this present moment into the future, right? Because you're imagining just winning in the future. But instead, you really want to be in the moment when you're riding your horse, because that's how you're going to get the best performance. So instead, focus on identifying some small things, right, that you need to do that would be key to allowing you to perform well. So some examples of this might be, I know I need to, let's see, I need to focus on 
opening, you know, starting my spins with my opening my leg, applying my, you know, neck rein before applying my spur or my leg, right? So that you don't jab your horse, right? So that's a specific action item that would help you perform well, right? Or you think, um, I need to make sure that I follow through and complete my rollback, right? And so focusing on the small things will contribute. It really contributes to the likelihood of creating a winning outcome, which is what you want. But it's so important there that what you're doing is you focus on the process. You're focusing on the process and you are defining success. So what do I need to do? And you're shifting it from this focus on winning to just a focus on, you know, riding well. And what does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? So that is a really wonderful thing to do that really helps with your anxiety. I'm going to do one more for that too. So keeping with this anxiety and nervousness, set the second one here is let's goal setting because most people are don't have goals <laughs> or they're terrible at setting goals in an effective way that is helpful to them. So if we talk about goals, I would say the specific thing would be here. We want to set realistic goals to improve specific skills. And when you set a goal, it should be measurable. Otherwise, how do you know if you've achieved it or not? And it should be challenging, but it should also be attainable. And so to give a more concrete example, if you have a really vague goal, like I just want to ride well, right? I mean, I think that would be a reasonable thing that people might say about when they go to show, I want to ride well, right? I mean, well, don't we all? Okay. But there's no structure within that and there's no direction. So what does it mean to ride well? So let's break that down. I want to, you know, sit my stop really well, or I want to nail this corner or, but you need to break it down into what does it mean to ride well? It's got to be really specific. And the other thing is nailing the difficulty because you don't want your goal to be too easy. You're trying to improve. So you want to have to, you know, work for them a little bit, but you want them to be within your reach. Think of it like this. Here's an example where if we're thinking of climbing up a mountain, we're going on a big hike, right? So hiking and getting to the top of the mountain is, you know, is equivalent in this example to winning your class at the horse show. Well, we all know we want to get to the top, but what will help us in terms of setting a specific realistic goal might be, I want to, you know, you're, you're thinking about the next step. You're thinking about, you know, from where I am now, I want to get one mile down the trail in the next 20 minutes or, but it needs to be specific and within reach. So those are two 
awesome specific ways that you can use to help address and manage your anxiety and nervousness at shows. So that's awesome. I think that will be great for today. I hope that you see yourself a little bit in Sarah's story and by doing that, know that you are not alone. (laughs) Because sometimes we think that when we have thought patterns that don't serve us, that we think that we're alone in our deficiency, that we think that we're the only one who is just doing it so terribly. And you're not. (laughs) We are all human. And so I hope that you also feel encouraged because behind every successful horse-human duo, there's a profound understanding of this crucial role that is played by the rider's mind. And it's not just the horse. It's not just the physicality of the rider. The mind is so important. And from overcoming fear to building confidence to mastering focus and resilience, this mental dimension of horse riding is as vital as the physical one, if not more. So I just hope that you see why you can't afford to ignore the mental aspect in your riding and showing. Thank you so much for joining me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. If you thought I was full of, you know, cow patties, share it with an enemy and go ahead, please leave a comment down below. Really helps the podcast. If you rate the podcast, scroll down, rate it five stars and leave a little comment about something that, you know, resonated with you in this episode. So thank you for listening. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm so grateful that you chose to spend some of your time today with me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. And if you want more support to ensure you ride your best at home and at shows, go to NicoleBurnettCoaching.com to get your free copy of Become Unbeatable in the Show Pen, Five Mental Skills Every Rainer Needs to Master. It's a free guide I'm sharing with you on how to develop mental toughness and resilience in the face of adversity to maximize your showing success. Until next time, 